This is the Converge Podcast. We meet at 10.30 every Sunday morning at Heritage Baptist Church in the chapel. This is a group that is geared towards those who are young adults who want to follow Jesus and live the gospel life wherever the journey takes them. to Converge. I hope everybody's doing well. How many of you are in the trenches right now in exam week? Like you've started but not finished yet. Okay, pretty good hands. Pretty good number of hands. How many of you have been taking exams but they're all done? There you go. There's one or two. We have more hands except that a bunch of those people have also left Lynchburg already. So they, yeah, they finish and then take off. Um, I want to start our time in Converge today. Is this awkward? I, I can back up. Sorry. I want to start our time. 
this morning um, with an opportunity for you guys to spend time talking together. And I've got, I've got two things that I want you to talk about. Okay, number one is I want you to share with each other either your favorite verse or passage of scripture or one that's been particularly meaningful to you recently, okay? So it can be your overall number one, all-time favorite, or something particular to now. Number two, I want you to share something that you would love to pray together about, something that you wanna pray for, or something we can praise the Lord for um, because he's already been at work in that situation. So to recap, your favorite verse or something that's been particularly important recently, and something to pray for or praise the Lord about. Okay, so we're just going to take some time. This is a great time to just get to know the people at your table and, and share what God's been doing. Okay, we'll be back in a little bit.
to cut off all of the great conversation going on around the room. Thank you guys for jumping in and uh, participating in this discussion. I want to make sure Dave's got time to teach some on the uh, Bible passage that we're going over today. But just uh, to kind of kick this next part off, I just want to throw a couple of uh, announcements at you guys real quick. Most of these are things that you've already seen a lot of times, but I just want to make sure and mention, once I turn my clicker off, there we go, that um, you can get texts from us throughout the week by texting at HB Converge to 81010. Um, if you ever don't want to get those texts, you can text at leave and it'll remove you from the groups until you rejoin them. Um, so one of the reasons that I mention that now specifically is because a lot of the small groups will be taking a break over the summer in some form or fashion. So if you want to know a little bit more, you know, maybe you have a small group that you go to and uh, you just correspond with uh, the group directly and that's totally fine. But if uh, you kind of float around a little bit more or if you want kind of more official announcements on what that is going to look like throughout the summer, I'd encourage you to uh, be subscribed to those text messages. For example, I know that the um, Rays group on Thursday morning will be meeting this week. I think they might be the only group meeting this week. So anyway, I'll get more information about that out to you guys on Monday or Tuesday. But just wanted to kind of throw that out there one more time. And then also, um, if you want to catch any messages that you haven't been here for, if you're getting ready to take off and you want to listen to uh, what we talk about while you're not here, um, I just wanted to remind you that there is a podcast where Seth records the message each Sunday and then puts that up on Spotify. So if you ever want to go back and hear something that struck you as particularly interesting or, uh, or possibly scandalous and you want to make sure it was okay, actually, uh, you could always go back and check out what was said before on the podcast. And if you have any trouble with the QR code, if you go on Spotify and search um, Converge Sunday Mornings, Converge Sunday mornings, that should uh, be what comes up for you. And then the only other thing I wanted to make sure and mention is the hub, hbclinchburg.com slash hub. That's where you can see kind of all of the announcements about things that are going on throughout the church. So if you heard something kind of in passing um, in the announcements this morning and you want to dig in more, that's always a great place to go to get more information for starters. So that's all I've got for you today. I'll go ahead and pray for us as a group, and then Dave is going to come up. Dear God, thank you so much for this group of people that you've brought together. Thank you for all of these people that are here specifically to learn more about you and uh, learn how we can be at work where you're at work and investing our lives for you. Thank you for the power of the message you gave Pastor Nathan this morning, and I pray that you'd help us all to take that to heart. I pray for Dave as he comes up to present the word. Lord, I just pray that you would move your spirit through his words and that we would be open and receptive and paying attention and that we would learn something helpful for us, something productive for us, something that uh, brings us closer to you as our God and our Father and our Savior. Thank you for all that you are and all that you do, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, thank you. You guys are so kind. There it is. Um, we've been, if you've been with us for this semester, then you know we've been going through um, the whole book of the Bible, the whole, the whole thing together. And we've been, we've been jumping from one place to the next. And if you haven't been tracking with why the jumping from one place to the next, then you might not have caught on that this is a, a chronological walk through the Bible and not like a sequential book by book walk through the Bible. And maybe you've been reading along with us. And even in your own daily reading, it's been doing that recently. We've gotten to a part of the Bible reading plan where we're hitting one day um, six psalms and one day a couple of chapters in 2 Samuel and another day we're in 1 Chronicles and then one random day we're in one psalm that only has three verses and nobody <laughs> figures out why and then like yesterday was something like six or eight psalms so um, it's kind of bouncing all around and all of that is because it's a chronological reading of scripture. And, and so in the last week, we've seen things that have been um, stated in 2 Samuel, restated in 1 Chronicles, and maybe you would say celebrated in the book of Psalms. And I, I think it's important to 
get a grasp on where all this lies because, because there are some differences in the accounts of what's going on. And of course, the Psalms are very emotional and, and celebratory and sometimes related to specific things and sometimes a little bit unclear as to exactly where that emotion is coming from. And so when, when we look at the fact that we read something in 2 Samuel and we read something in 1 Chronicles and, and the details are just slightly different, I wanted, to, I wanted to share with you something that was really helpful for me and I should have known it and maybe could have figured it out if we had just been sitting across the table together talking about it. But when, when I realized that it was really helpful for me as we walked through um, First Chronicles, and that is that the two books of the Chronicles are being written, had, were written after the exile. So, you know, in the, in the general history of, of Israel, God had had started this trajectory for Abraham and all his descendants that got disrupted by a trip. Well, disrupted sounds like God was surprised. There was a, there was a perceived derailing going into um, Egypt and then coming back and now a conquest of the land. And we saw what went through, what Joshua went through and led the nation through. And then, uh, of course, just sort of chaos with the judges and, and then an establishment of the kingdom with Saul and then David. But what still is yet to come, you probably know, is that they self-destruct a little bit. And as a result, they God leads them out of the land of Israel into exile. And we read things like Esther that takes place during those times and Daniel that takes place during those times, not to spoil where we're going with the Bible reading plan, but that's kind of the direction we're headed. And afterwards, we read things like Nehemiah and Ezra where, where people start to come back and rebuild. And in that rebuilding, it seems that it was significant to recalibrate where they had been as a people so that they get they get their mind grounded on okay so why do we need these people to serve in the temple and why do we need these people to do this and what happened here that got us to there and those sorts of things and and so what we read in first and second chronicles is that rehearsal of what god had done that is helping to reorient them to where they need to be in reestablishing the temple worship, reestablishing the community, the social dynamics of a very specific um, way of living that God had laid out for them. And so that's what we read in Chronicles. And so when you get bogged down with, if you, if you haven't been reading with us and you do at some point, um, you read through the first couple chapters of Chronicles, it's tedious. I mean, I don't really know any other way to say it, except it's tedious to read name after name of who was the father of who and so on. And, and what you begin to realize, though, if you can take that step back and look at that bigger picture, is that this is really critical for them to reorient to how God has designed for them to live. And so we've gotten past those lineages of everybody and into a rehearsal of David, but it's coinciding with the events of David as they were recorded in 2 Samuel. And so it seems like we're kind of getting two perspectives on some of the same events. And, and in a way we are, but the timeline, it's not just simply two people telling their version of the story. It's actually a picture of how God is working in this people. Um, over a period of time. And, and so we read in a chronological reading, we, we kind of jump here and there and here and there. Uh, but what we're, if we were to take like chronology of the writing, we'd be getting chronicles later. Does that make sense? So I think it's interesting, it's orienting for me to, to help to see that, uh, or it has helped me to see that. So I wanted to talk about that with you. And where we're at with David right now is the tales of bringing the ark to Jerusalem. And this is significant. This is a big deal. And before I tell you why it's a big deal, I would love for us to brainstorm, why is it a big deal? I mean, this is, this, I, 
I think Pastor Nathan was going here just for a second and didn't quite go there when he talked about men worshiping and, and Dave, I think he mentioned David's name. And, and what I'm picturing when he's just about to say what, I didn't, what he didn't say, and I'm putting words in his mouth now, is that David, in these passages that we're going to look at today, David has a very vibrant time of worship as they're leading the ark into the city of Jerusalem. And so why does it, what's the significance that brings that type of party to the scene? Okay, so help me, help me understand. Why is the Ark of the Covenant coming into Jerusalem that significant right now? Yes. Yeah, so yes, back to Israel, not back to Jerusalem. So that's part of the significance here too, is that, that this is a first introduction of the Ark to Jerusalem, but most of everything, you didn't say back to Jerusalem, you said back to Israel. I just wanted to make sure we clarify that, that yeah, it had, there had been times where it was away. It had been captured, it had, been, um, it had then been brought back, but not brought into a place of prominence. And so, yes, there is a bit of a renaissance going on here. Good. Anybody else got something to add? Let me walk you through a little bit of the history of the ark that we did. I mean, we just heard a little bit of it, but let me, let me rehearse a few of the things that took place. All right. And uh, you don't have to turn to all these places because I'm just going to read them off really kind of quickly. Um, the Philistines captured the ark uh, in 1 Samuel 4. They brought the, the ark and, uh, into their temple to Dagon, and that was kind of catastrophic for them. That's the, the idol that actually fell down in front of the ark. They, um, they eventually sent the ark back with a guilt offering in 1 Samuel 6. They, they sent, um, you know, the, I think it was my, golden mice and boils that they sent back. I don't know what a golden boil looks like, but it's kind of, I, I feel like the, if you were drawing straws on whether you have to make the golden mouse or the golden boil, the golden boil would be just like make a pile of gold. I, I just thought of that. I, so sorry for, but as we're saying it, um, so they bring, they bring that back with the, with the um, offering. And what they end up doing in 1 Samuel 7 is they actually take the ark to the house of Abinadab and it stays there for 20 years. And so when they had this kind of reaction to the errors of taking the ark into battle in that case when the Philistines took, a, took it, they had this reaction to that error and they stashed it. And it stayed there for 20 years. What David does then, and this is where now we've recently read in our Bible reading plan, is that David decides after that to um, capture Jerusalem. There's a significant story of, of him capturing Jerusalem, but he knows that that's going to be the center of the nation of Israel. And so he captures Jerusalem, and after he captures Jerusalem and, he, um, and he's establishing the headquarters there, he is going to bring the ark to Jerusalem. But he doesn't do it all the way right. So you might remember that he sends some people to get it and uh, they put it on a cart. And that's when the, the dark music starts to play, right? In any of the depictions you might have seen of it because you see the guys walking beside the cart over the rough terrain and the name tag that says Uzzah and you're like, Sorry, buddy. Right? Because what they see is that the, it, it shakes and Uzzah reaches out to stabilize it. And this man dies. 
um, because they didn't care for the ark the way that it was supposed to be cared for. They leave it at the house of Obed-Edom for three months at that point. And they take another break. This time, fortunately, much shorter, they take, but they take a little break because of this event that took place. And, and David has to deal with some feelings, and I, uh, we're not going to dig into that too much, but, but it shows in Scripture that David's angry about what took place. He's, I think, trying to do something right, but, but this is a case where he's trying to do something right in the wrong way. And I think his reaction to God's holiness just on display at that point was, was anger. Uh, he, after three months, they, they pick up this journey again, and this time they lay it out exactly the way it's supposed to be. They're the right people are going to carry it, and they're going to carry it in the right way, and they're going to bring it in to Jerusalem in dramatic fashion as a celebration of worship to God. And it's intriguing to me, this is not when the tabernacle moves. We're actually, so we're going to see that David puts it in a tent. It has a, it has a shelter of its own, but the, the tent that's, that we're going to see or that, that is in this passage of scripture isn't the tabernacle that is also referred to as a tent at times. That's still somewhere else. And there's still, um, there's still worship that's taken or sacrifices that are being made in that place. But this is the beginning of a real renaissance of worship for Israel that will culminate in not David, but Solomon building the temple there. When, when Pastor Nathan was talking about, we, when some of us had a chance to go to Israel recently and, and Pastor Nathan was talking about Jerusalem, um, it's, it's significant, I think, to, to hear how he described the ancients talking about um, Jerusalem, which is a temple with a city around it rather than a city with a temple. Because what, what ultimately takes place here, and this is, this is part of why this is significant, is that this is the beginning of the formation of genuine temple worship in, in Israel, where Jerusalem is going to be the center of um, real majestic religious systems in order to point people to their need for ultimately Jesus. But this is where the sacrifice system was going to be shifted and, and be on prominent display. But David's first act is to bring the, the ark here. It's been out of prominent worship for a long time, and it's now still not going to quite be lined up with the tabernacle, but it's going to be the beginning point of a new system that's there. And so David's bringing it in with all the pomp and circumstance that, that he could. Uh, there's dancing and music and, and festival type of stuff and, and food for everybody that's, that's being given out here. And it's going to change the way the culture looks at what David's doing here. And I think David still at this point has it in his mind that I'm a representative of God, but this is, this is the focus. God. God is the center of what we're doing. And so this is why I think there's a huge amount of significance in what is going on with bringing the ark back, or not back, bringing the ark to Jerusalem for the first time. When we read in this type of reading plan, we read in 2 Samuel some details of the events, and then in, um, in 1 Chronicles we read some of, the, some of the details of the events. We get just a little bit of a, of a mix-up of the details. So I want you guys to take some time with your groups at your tables, and I want you to look at two passages of Scripture. Okay, I want you to look at 2 Samuel 5, 17 through the end of chapter 6. 2 Samuel 5, verse 17 through the end of chapter 6. And I want you to compare it to 1 Chronicles chapters 13 through 15. Okay, now you're not doing a detailed research of these. I know that's a lot of verses. 
What I want you to do is, is spot check it for variances, okay? Things that are a little bit different between the two, okay? So feel free to discuss, point out, divide and conquer, however you want to do it. We'll take a few minutes to just look at these two parts of scripture. Second, or sorry, 2 Samuel 5, 17 through the end of chapter 6 and 1 Chronicles 13 through 15.
time. I'm going to have to see what you got so far. Uh, and it's okay. You don't have to have a, an exhaustive list. There's, there are quite a few verses in these two sections that I've given you. So, but, but name a couple of things. What have you seen that, uh, that were different? Sir? The name of the threshing floor where Uzzah touched the ark is different in the two accounts. Oh, okay. So in, in uh, I think in First Chronicles, it's called Nacon or Egon. And mm -hmm. in Samuel, it's called Nacon. So we were trying to figure out why the name was different. Yeah. I don't have that one for you today, but good Good eyes. Anybody else? Yep. So um, in 2 Samuel, it has um, David defeating the Philistines and all that stuff before he brings the ark even to um, Obed-Edom. And then in 1 Chronicles, it has him bringing the ark, leaving the ark, defeating the Philistines, having babies, and then going back to the ark. Yeah. So one of the things there in um, sequence of events, there's some question as to um, how are these things told in exact sequence of events in one place versus the other? Is it maybe a, a mix of sequence of events um, as oral tradition may have it, right? Um, that before this was all written down would have been tales told. And, and so um, could be that. It could be also, and, and this is um, where I'm inclined to, to speak today, uh, that Second Samuel may be more of the historic order of things and First Chronicles being more of a thematic order of things where it wants to emphasize the fact that David recognizes the, the need for the temple in Jerusalem to be established eventually. And so starting the starting that movement of the ark to Jerusalem begins that movement, uh, even though there are some of the other things that take place um, that, they would, that they would have it there in order to see that prominence of that push to get the ark into Jerusalem. Do you notice anything else? Yep. Yeah, you get left with a little bit of more mystery in Second Samuel, and so aren't we grateful, right, that that God's given us the whole counsel of His Scripture, and then we get to see some of those details maybe in other places, but we don't always get that if we're reading straight through one book and then the next book and the next book. So this is a real privilege for us to kind of get these accounts from different perspectives or different time periods in in kind of a close reading of the two. Yeah, very good. Yep. And that same thing happens in the story of Saul. We don't get a whole lot in the second Samuel. We just hear that the chief spies came in and are asking him why or what that means. And it goes into all the details later. Yeah. Yeah, very good. Um, still a little bit mysterious, but yes, yeah, that, uh, that his wife, McCall, or Michael, as I always grew up calling her, right, um, would would be so angry at this um, is, is a little bit of an odd thing, um, except maybe, I mean, we can, we can hypothesize, um, we, can, we can project on her certain feelings, knowing that she's the daughter of Saul and seeing what she had experienced under, with his reign and kind of watching that close, maybe there were things that carried into that too, but yep. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. There are various levels of trauma that we could talk about with, with McCall. It's totally explainable why she might be angry in general, but um, also to this exact event, a little bit shrouded in mystery, even um, with the more details that are there. But we get, we get the ark to the, um, to the site in Jerusalem with all of, the, all of the emotion and all the activity, all the worship and all the music and, and all of the excitement that's there and even some of the anger that's coming from, from McCall. And, and, it's, and now we get to see as we move into the next part of scripture, 
just a little bit of insight into the emotion. And so I, I wanted you to look at that. I, I know that that um, was maybe a tedious activity. Uh, it could it could have been, or you're, you're looking for little things that are different. I wanted you to see the big picture difference. And I wanted to talk about that idea that, that, maybe there's a, that maybe there's a historical sequence of events and maybe there's a thematic sequence of events. And what we're seeing though in all of this is the prominence of getting the ark to where it needs to be. And we're looking with our own hindsight here that, that this is the direction that they need to go to have a center of the kingdom that is itself centered on the worship of God. And that in so many ways, we ourselves need to be similar. That there is, a, there is an importance of being kind of organized and, and figured out what our life is supposed to look like. But all of that really needs to be centered on the worship of our God. And so in maybe in a little way, we're even seeing what... Um, what we can apply in that. But what I want to keep doing, I want to, I want to keep moving into First Chronicles 16 because what we get is a very long um, song of what's, what is sung or traditionally remembered as sung as the, chronicle, uh, the chronicler, is that something I can say? The chronicler is writing this um, to remind everybody of what's taking place. He Records a song of thanks, and it goes for most of chapter 16. What it actually is, is a mix of three different psalms. Three different psalms that if you're reading along with us in the Bible reading plan, you've read in the last few days. One of which has particular significance to some of you in the room because it's Psalm 96, which is what many people here at Heritage are undertaking in-verse memorization together right now. And if you, a few weeks ago we had some announcements if you wanted to be involved in Bible memory groups, then this is, this is the passage that's being uh, memorized right now. And most of Psalm 96 is located right here in this psalm, and so, or in this uh, part of First Chronicles. If you want to look at verses 23 to 33, of First Chronicles 16, it's going to sound pretty familiar to Psalm 96. And maybe you picked up on that even as you read um, through the different passages of Scripture. Read along with me. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous work works among all peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Let the heavens be glad. Let the earth rejoice. And let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. What I love about this section of First Samuel, or sorry, First Chronicles 16 and Psalm 96 is how much nations talk is in there. From the beginning of the nation of Israel all the way back to Abraham, God had begun the work of telling Abraham that this isn't just about you. That I'm going to work in you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you a nation. I'm going to give you people that you can't even count. And I'm going to give you a land to go with it. And, and I'm going I'm to give you all of these things so that all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. From the beginning of all of the nation of Israel... Israel was meant to be a conduit of the blessing of God to everybody else. Ultimately, in the form of reconciliation. 
Redemption bought by the blood of Jesus. But even here and now, what they're seeing as they begin to, to take this next step in the development of Israel, to have this centralized location for the worship of their God to be, that, that even in that, in bringing the ark, this very first step in the next part of the story is that this is so that the nations of the earth will sing praise to their God. It's not just about them. I think they're enjoying it. If we read all the details of cakes with raisins and all that kind of stuff, I think they're enjoying the day. I think they're enjoying the prospect of the future. I think that even in the day of the Chronicles, when they're looking back, they're reminiscing on great days that were and good days that are yet to come. But they're saying it here and in Psalm 96 that this isn't just about us. And when we wonder just how much did it actually affect the nations around, I think, I think what we have to realize is that sometimes these nation talks turn into individuals, right? The individuals that represent these different nations that are coming into this. And, and so even now today, when we talk about go to the nations, we're really talking about talking to individuals in the nations. And so we see things like, okay, the Moabites are brought into this story of redemption because of Ruth. We see Rahab, who was part of the Jericho destined for destruction being brought into this story of redemption. You can probably pick out four or five people around your table of, of people who don't really belong, right, in this story of, of this exclusive nation of Israel that, that we talk about so much. But, but yet, in all of the discussion, it's about, it's about God being proclaimed to and by all people. One specific person that I want to make mention of is Obed-Edom. So Obed-Edom, who was he? You just read through these stories. Yeah, they parked the ark. Of, of, he's mentioned um, in both places as the place where they parked the ark. But at the end of chapter 16 in 1 Chronicles, he's mentioned again. Obed-Edom in 2 Samuel is described as a Gittite not a term that is thrown around all that much in the Old Testament. A Gittite was somebody from the city of Gath, potentially a Philistine, okay? Bringing a Philistine into this conversation. He didn't belong. He shouldn't have been a part of this. Maybe he was transplanted now or I don't you know he was a little more bought in or something but he was at least a convenient place to park the ark for three months but during that or in some case in some way through the work of God in his life Obed-Edom gets a change of position in verse uh, 37 of chapter 16 first chronicles it says so David left Asaph and his brothers there before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord to minister regularly before the Ark each day as required, as each day required. This is after the celebration, they park it in a tent. And also Obed-Edom and his 68 brothers, not a story we're getting into today. <laughs> While Obed-Edom, the son of Jaduthan and Hosa were to be gatekeepers. And he left Zadok the priest and his brothers the priest before the tabernacle of the Lord in the high place that was at Gibeon. That's where the tabernacle, the rest of the tabernacle actually was to offer burnt offerings to the Lord on the altar of burnt offering regularly, morning and evening, to do all that is written in the law of the Lord that he commanded Israel. But the part that I want to park on just for a second is that Obed-Edom, who shouldn't have been involved, who in this whole celebration of, of God's heart for all nations, that God wants to be praised to 
all people and by all people that right there in the middle of the story, somebody from Gap who had the ark parked in his yard for three months now becomes a gatekeeper, a protector of the ark. And that he becomes a part of this, this society, this worship process that's going on because God does a redemptive work and it's for all peoples. And that as much as we want to, um, to process what it means for us, that our, our role here in life is to be, just like, to be just like the people of Israel as they are proclaiming in celebration what is going on around them at that point in time and to sing with, with them a new song. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. This is Psalm 96 in its fullness. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Talk about it. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. I, I love that verse. All gods, all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, okay? You can put a period there, walk away. We would understand it as part of what's going on. And, and David, or the psalmist here, he writes, but the Lord made the heavens, as if that's the mic drop for ultimate supremacy of all gods, right? There are tons of other marvelous works, all of the glories that everything you can talk about our God made the heavens. And if you were to get into the details of what that means, it's marvelous and, and dramatic and perfect for it to be the uh, antithesis to worthless idols. Your idols are worth nothing. Our God made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. This is his character. Splendor, majesty, strength, beauty. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come to his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Poignant to hear the holiness needed to walk into the Lord when it's recent history for Uzzah to have been killed for not obeying the way to do it. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established, it shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity or justice. Let the heavens be glad, let the earth rejoice, let the sea roar and all that fills it, let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in faithfulness. And we begin to see what, the, what all nature, all creation is longing for in Romans chapter 8 is the restoration of all things. And we have, we have that relationship with that creator that we get to be the ones now letting all of the earth know. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. You have the privilege of having genuine relationship with him. Not just the symbols of religious experience, but genuine relationship with the one who made the heavens. All your other idols, we have them. All your other idols are worthless. And yet, we ascribe them glory at times. We ascribe them value. And yet, we know the one who deserves all the glory. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your greatness. That you are the one who made the heavens. You made everything else too. But Father, you are, you are the one great God and no other idol 
has any value. And we worship you today. We're going to ascribe you glory and strength. You are the God above all gods. Father, as we leave here, would you put your glory on our lips that we would speak your glory to the nations, to those around us, even as we leave this place today. Lord, would you help us to be filled with, the, uh, with reverence and honor and your, uh, just an understanding of your majesty that would, that would make us marvel, fascinate us with your glory, and then allow us to speak it freely to all that we come into contact with. Father, thank you for your word and for how you worked in David and in the nation of Israel that we can, that we can trace your work among them. And Father, we know that you are also working in us. So would you change us where we need to change? Build us up where we need to have a better understanding of who you are. Father, would you use us in any way that you see fit? In Jesus' name. Well, guys, thanks for being here this morning. Um, there is a meeting in here in about 20 minutes. You don't have to rush off. There's a meeting in here. The reason I tell you is you don't have to move any chairs or tables or anything. You can just hang out for 20 minutes. But in 20 minutes, there is going to be a meeting here, so just so you're aware. Thanks for, um, thanks for being here today. We hope to see you through the summer. If you're not going to be here this summer, we're going to miss you. And let us know how we can pray for you. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you would like to get plugged into a small group, just text HB Converge to 81010 and you will get the text reminders for all the small groups. If you have any questions, just respond to one of those text reminders and it will go to our leadership team and they will be able to respond to you directly. Hey.